he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hey, y'all, we're here. It's episode number 17 of Bellatified. It's post-Super Bowl. It's our post-Super Bowl episode, and we are so excited. This is Bellatified. I'm Anthony Bellata, and this is your one and only podcast about event entertainment and engagement in this modern age. Sometimes ridiculous, sometimes fabulous. You know, who knows what's going to happen? And I'm here with my Bellatophile, the one and only Alex Zapostolidis. Hey, Alex. Hello, Anthony. How are you? I well, am... Go ahead. What? Go ahead. Go ahead. I know. I just, I asked you and then I just completely cut you off. It's like, I, how, how are you? But I don't really care because I'm going to tell you about how I'm feeling. Well, it's no, it's quite all right. I actually <laughs> want to hear how you're feeling first. So let's throw it back to you. Alex, how are you? I'm, I'm okay. I'm feeling a little... Um, you know, I've been, been really good and, uh, starting the new year off, right, healthy, exercising, eating really well. And I went off the rails yesterday. So I'm like, feeling a little funky today. Yeah. Yeah. Your energy. It's funny how that happens, right? Your body is suddenly not accustomed to, did you have a little bit of the wine, a little bit of the, I had some vino and, uh, some, and so normally good, good. chicken wings so they're healthy right they're baked chicken wings they're, and they're right. delicious and they're crispy and they're, they're wonderful but I, I don't want to cook I didn't want to cook so um David ran out and picked us up some fast food you know wings like mm-hmm. from wing stuff or a place like that and oh, yeah not but- only did they make me feel bad, but they weren't even good. See, that's the difference between the Greeks and the Italians. You see that kind of grease is like, it's like butter on toast. It's like blood in a system. You know, it just filters everything. It's, you know, your, your system is just so used to the oil. Just filters well, now, everything right through. We cook, I mean, with a vat of olive oil. Everything is cooked in a vat of olive oil, just so you know. Best so, oil on earth. And, and being part Sicilian, you know. It's just the, it was the deep fried and, and uh, a little bit of wine and that, yeah, and I'm sorry. What about the result of the game? How did that make you feel? You know, <clears throat> it was interesting. I didn't really have a stake in the game because football's not my favorite sport. Dare I say that? I watch it. Right. It doesn't have to I'm be your favorite. Girl. It's not, okay. you know. Um, it's a soccer I, girl, everyone. Don't take Alex to a football game ever. Take you to a take, soccer game. Um, okay. And if you want to see a rabbit fan, take me to San Diego Soccer's indoor and you will see a side of me you've never experienced. Well, now nobody's going to take you anywhere because <laughs> you've scared us all. The first time we went as a family, my daughter just looked at me like the whole time, who are you? Because I, I I love my San Diego Soccer's. Um, but I was rooting for... Uh, the Buccaneer, the, the, yeah, Tampa. Yes. I was rooting for Tampa because number one, I love Gronkowski. I just think he's adorable. And it was the first time ever that a Super Bowl, a team played the Super Bowl in their home field. 
Yes. First time ever. So I'm like, yeah. well, I gotta, I kind of got a root for them. I mean, that would, that would be suck. That would kind of suck to lose. Yeah. Playing in your heart. I felt bad for Kansas City because, you know, I guess I should feel, I, I should feel good that the, that Tom Brady won again and, and it's another uh, gold ring for him. Uh, and he's the older guy, you know, and he's still showing that he's got fortitude and, you know, he's tremendous on the field. And you're right about it being in, you know, in their home turf, on their home turf. But I felt that was a bit of a, a disadvantage for Kansas City mentally as well going in and knowing that you're playing on the team's home turf is hard you know no fault I mean this is the way the system is you know it's it's completely arbitrary and as you know you just said it's the first time it's ever happened but I still I wanted to see the underdogs win in this I, I didn't even know if they were like from an odds point of view, considered the underdogs. From what I heard, they were considered to be pretty closely, um, you know, being close in terms of their their viability of winning. But to me, who doesn't watch a lot of football, they looked like they were mowed over Kansas City. I mean, wow. I was like, they couldn't, they had no shot. It just looked clear as day. But the interesting thing about yesterday is that it started out as a game, but now the entire day is an event uh, that starts, if you're a sports fan, many hours before the game. Here on the, in Pacific, on the Pacific uh, coast, it started at 11 a.m. The game kickoff was at 3.30. So that's four and a half hours of pre-game programming. Uh, and then you've got the game, and then you've got post post game post show which neither of us i believe watched i didn't watch any of the post show there there were some options no but it was it was interesting from a a broadcasting and a programming point of view and hopefully those of us that are in events now are looking at our events from that point of view because that's quite frankly where we are now and although we may go back to live, there's always going to be a broadcast element, right? And so it was interesting, first of all, the way they, they split up their sponsorships. I watched from about 2, 2.30 onward, and the sponsorship seems seemed to have been split up in terms of time, half hour blocks of time. Uh, and then, of course, the the halftime show is a, is a Pepsi sponsorship, and they have that pretty sewn up. What I found also interesting is the use of filters, the use of Snapchat, some TikTok segments, as I recall. Um, so that element shows me, oh, the NFL is really going after the younger viewer. And the fact that they had a partnership with Nickelodeon this time also suggests that. So the fact that they broke up their sponsorship in time blocks is a great way for fundraisers, for example, to go. You know, the key is, though, or any any association show that has sponsorship, the key is, though, of course, in having the assets, I call them assets, the video, uh, the, the commercials, some people would call them the bumpers, you know, the content to fill that, that time, because that's what is valuable, is, is it gives the sponsor time to show their, their message in a way that benefits them most, right? Through video. So it takes 
takes time, it takes money, it takes all those things, create creative ability, but it's a great opportunity. And it's one that we need to start introducing to our clients because it's coming down the road. And it's not as though, first of all, video only lives once. If you're smart about the way you create it, you can get a lot of life with a video. It's digital marketing at its best. People like to watch videos, look at YouTube. So it's smart for anyone to go in that direction, even if you don't think you've got a platform for video. Because again, we're all going to digital. So interesting, this performance by The weekend was touted as the first live Super Bowl performance. And I'm hoping that Amy Murray can shed some light on that later. It's interesting to hear somebody say that because it's always been my impression that it's live, it's just not sung live. It's interesting to look at that and think, okay, what part of Jennifer Lopez and Shakira wasn't live other than vocals? Yeah, and I have to tell you, I I feel a little ignorant I didn't realize I mean I always kind of wondered are they singing live because it's really difficult to do in you know a stadium but it's also a little disappointing well I think that in a stadium in a situation like that it's really hard right and plus it's not only hard for the performer it's hard for the technical crew so it's it's first of all we should we should take all of the onus off the performer for a moment because everyone tends to think that it's the performer's option whether to do it live or not right but we know that's not true from a from a practical point of view if i if i were were the a1 the audio guy the guy in charge i unless i knew foolproof that it was going to work with all of that movement that needs to happen and the cables and all of that that needs to happen just moments before yeah i would certainly certainly not want it to be live because it's just there's too many things that can go wrong and it's you know the performers embarrassment is the a1's job mm-hmm. basically you know that's a nice way to put it i think i mean it means the guy can lose his job if it goes wrong you know it's just not something that a a, a professional audio engineer is going to want to do so that happens for a number of reasons but he didn't have those movements last night, which we'll right. talk about, right? Um, but I thought it was interesting, and I think that's a bit of my confusion here now, quite honestly, is that the reference was made to live performance, not live vocals or live singing, which suggested to me that parts of it are recorded, perhaps in a final rehearsal the night before, hmm. and then used... I mean, I've never been to the, you know, I've never been inside a stadium for a Super Bowl. So I, I, I don't know yeah. this, you know, as this year, obviously a lot of it was video, but that is a, I guess we'll ask Amy when she comes on later about that. Right. So good to have yeah. her. I can't wait. I know. Right. No, it's going to be great to get that, especially with the mix of all the virtual. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really great to get to learn about that. Yeah. I think we could talk a little bit about Jasmine Sullivan and Eric church from last night, the uh, Grammy nominated artists. Uh, he is a country artist. She's an R and B artist and they, and they did the star spangled banner together. I was blown away because I kept thinking, how is this going to work? How are you going to melt those two? It was beautiful. Mm. I, 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 
I absolutely loved it. I, it was a giant ball of chills and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And they worked, they worked so well together and yet they were very different, but it just blended beautifully. It really was a beautiful blending of R&B and country. I've never heard the national anthem sung with a guitar with the country feel before. So I will say for me, it was a bit off-putting. For a moment, I had to adjust. And then the blending of that said so much. And there lies a message as well that I thought the, the NFL was putting forth through this entire program, which was pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Message of diversity, unity, uh, and coming together, community. And that was definitely reflected in that performance. So, wow, I, amazing, right? The video clips, one of them, they they shot to one pl- one troop in uh, Kuwait, uh, but otherwise they used video imagery from just other imagery. But they had one image of this platoon in Kuwait. It was just, it it was a little off putting for me. Not that we shouldn't honor them, our soldiers fighting for us, but why wasn't the entire piece that? Why one? I, I just couldn't understand that. It just it made it made no sense. And you know, you never know I'm... what hits the cutting room floor, like you know, what what the original content is or or how much content you have, right, to mm-hmm. fill something. Right. I, right. We know I should know, right? Uh you know the last time it was sung as a duet, it was Aretha Franklin and Aaron Neville in 2006. That long ago. Yeah, Super Bowl 40. Wow. Uh, Alicia Keys was part of the performance last night. Um, she uh-huh. was part of one of the sponsored performances. Uh, and one of the things that I, I noticed throughout all of the entertainment, all of the messaging, all of the NFL messaging was this message of unity coming together kindness warmth love family meeting of the minds uh, making friends with people who are unlike you acceptance there was every every possible positive message was interesting not to get political but it was interesting that a moment was given to our president and Mm -hmm. and our first lady to talk a little bit about COVID prevention and encourage people to wear masks and stay safe. Yeah, it was beautiful. It really yes. was. And everybody that I know was commenting on it. I really did like the the uh, segment that Alicia Keys did. It, it brought me to tears. It absolutely brought me, you know, the uh, lift every voice and the whole video behind that. I was, I was a week fast after that. Yeah, that really had a Black Lives Matter uh, focus to it. It uh, the you're right, community, hope, love, uh, the imagery that they used in that piece was just exquisite, right? Mm-hmm. This idea that we don't have to be divisive comes through really loud and clear in that piece that we can do things together, you know, that there doesn't have to be a loser. Yes. You know, there can be winners in this race. Our first guest to join us, you know, she graduated with honors from San Diego State with a degree in film and television, which led her to directing and producing live sporting events. So, you know, 
which is awesome for today. So we, she worked on X Games, uh, great outdoor games, long track speed skating at the 2002 Olympics, and a variety of USA gymnastic events and US Open Tennis Championships. And this is fun. She also produced Bassmaster Classic with uh, the, uh, our next guest, our second guest today, who will be joining us a little later in the show, uh, and that'll be Amy Murray. So uh, they've worked quite a bit together. And uh, in 2008, she started her own company, Tempo Live Events, which is an event production and staffing company. So please let's welcome Nancy Spooner Bashara. Hello, Nancy. That's gorgeous. Hello. Oh my goodness. That's crazy is what it is. That was awesome. <laughs> How are you, Tim? I'm good. Tempo. Are you all right? I'm great. Yeah. You are great. So we wanted to bring you on and talk to you a little bit about what you're doing these days. We just introduced you as the fabulous person you are. One thing I didn't realize is that you went to SDSU. Aztecs. Yeah. Mm, you an Aztec? No, I might. Well, I teach in the global, on the global campus side yep. in the certification uh, side there at SDSU, but mm -hmm. I'm about to become a student in the master's program starting nice. in uh, August. I think that's good for you. Like it's going to happen. Yes. I'll have to, we'll have to talk about my uh, travails as I go through this master's program as an old man to see how I make it uh, on this program, but yeah. So we'll Good have a you. we'll have to go to the games together. I know. Shishkuba. <laughs> so oh dear. Uh, tell us about tempo, what you're doing, how you're doing it. I'm curious because it really is a very, very genius thing you have going there. Thank you. Miss Nancy. Yeah. So back in like 2008, I realized I got a lot of I get a lot of people jobs. And if I can make a little money off people, everyone get a job for, I could probably make some money. And so in 2008, Temple Live Events was born, named after the neighborhood I grew up in. And it's been working. Yeah, so I provide event professional freelancers to mostly production companies, agencies that don't have enough people to fill the spots. Their company, you know, there's only so much internal help that you need and they need freelancers a lot. So I'm a one shop stop, just call me and I got, I got your back. And it's mostly, Producers, show callers, deck managers, graphics, prompter. It's not so labor heavy. It's not that. It's more the people, the client facing people almost. But it's growing and we're starting to do a lot more with Zoom producers, as you know, and um, a lot of remote virtual show callers, which is kind of fun to watch them figure out this new world. Our show callers are amazing. So I personally am a show caller and a deck manager and an event producer. And then my team is just booming right now with more and more people and I'm getting more and more calls, which is really fun. Yeah, I'm so I'm very, very happy for you. And uh, so a little back history, Nancy and I have known each other for quite a long time. Uh, we met on Twitter. True story. <laughs> True story. Uh, but we had somebody, we met actually, we were... I think informally introduced by Jim Wiley or he knew us both. Oh, wow. Yes. I forgot about that. Yes. Well, who was he with? I can't remember. You still work with them. 
in Atlanta or in MK, Georgia. Well, MKTG, no, 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 I, no, my friend went to them from MKTG. No. I can't remember what they're called. Anyway, yes. And anyway, we met and uh, we were compadres. Uh, her focus has been mainly in the big sports world, Nancy, in calling shows and producing shows and in the uh, pharmaceutical world, which is where you are now quite a bit and medical sales, a lot of that. Coincidentally, yeah, that's where my, yeah. just whatever, whoever my clients have. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of pharma shows right now, a lot of technology shows, a lot of pharma shows, a lot of yeah. corporate stuff that there's morphed a, from my sporting events into, you know, pharmaceuticals, yeah. why not? Well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> It's a reason because they have a need to message out now. They have products that have to get out. They have things that have to go, you know, that have to be sold. So they have real need to have these meetings and these trainings. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and they had to go viral uh, immediately because they had no choice really. And so mm -hmm. it's great that you, you're there to provide this service. Uh, and the people are all very professional, right? But wait, I want to say I met you. Uh, and it was interesting that we both did the same thing, but in different worlds. Yep. Right. And we managed to work together here and there. Right. Uh, we shared a few clients along the way. Yep. One and one, we didn't even know you were going to be there. And then you were there. You didn't know we were coming. And then voila, we show up. Right. I love that. So it's been an interesting path, but this is really genius tempo. Uh, the, the agency that you've developed because especially with the fact that we're online now and the call for online producers and moderators uh, and graphics, all of that has just grown exponentially because our world is becoming digitized, right? Yes. So you're really there at the forefront. Tell me what you look for when you're looking for people. Who, what do you like to work with in terms of? Seriously? Yeah. They have to know somebody I know. I feel like that's my litmus test. Like you can send me a resume. It can be amazing, but it helps me. If I know that Anthony Blada loves you, it helps me. If I know that Sherry Fox has hired you before, like I truly vet, I feel like I'm a boutique. I'm not a staffing agent. I don't like to be a staffing agency. Cause I feel like I'm more a boutique because everybody in tempo's bench has been touched by me or someone really close to me and, and can vouch for you. So it's just honest, hardworking, good, fun people. Mm -hmm. And they usually have a link to me one or two away, the max. And it's not, um, it's not, it's not without reason, because when you're put into a situation like I'm in now, I'm, I'm on a project for Nancy. It's very interesting. I know. Uh, it's because, you know, you can never stop learning too. I'm getting all of this valuable learning. Uh, so I'm on this project and I, I, I'm on with the clients and they're often senior vice presidents, uh -huh. executives, and it's not about me. It's about them. So you really have to have the emotional intelligence and the yep. maturity and the fortitude to know when to ask questions because yes. you go in blind. You have no idea. Today, I have no clue what's going on. But, uh, you know, I have enough experience to know that eventually I'll get on board. It's not exactly. like this is tomorrow. And I will. And if I need something, I'll develop trust with them. And, you know, they'll they'll event. I'll ask in a, in a way that's appropriate. So but it's all those things that you you need to know, in addition to being good at the knobs and the buttons and the calling. Right. Because I think that stuff can be learned. It's the social intelligence. It's the 
knowing when to speak, when not to speak and what to listen for and how to be able to interact with VPs of these huge companies and just be nice to the client and just figure it out. You know, I think the figuring out stuff is easy. It's a personality that means so much to me in this world. I always say freelancers are only as good as our last gig. So we're good. The good ones are good. And if you're not, if you have a personality issue, you will fall really fast off the freelancer checklist because we hire each other. We look out for each other and it's a very close knit group. And there's hundreds of thousands of us in the U S but we're there because we love what we do. We love the people we work with and We're just that kind of person where sometimes I feel like you get into a situation where there's people that are just at the hotel because this is their job. And if you don't like them, that's okay. There's a show right behind them and they'll still be here and they get the next gig anyway. Cause they're, you know, we're freelancers. We're, this is it. We don't do it right the first time and we're not a good person, a good personality and friendly and smart. You're not going to make it. So. Right. Right. You're absolutely not. So let me ask you what you other, what in light of AB five, which we faced here in California, um, what are some of the uh, things you're asking for from these freelancers now? Are you asking them to have business licenses um, to certainly they're giving you information. When I signed on with you, I'm a corporation. I gave you all that information. Does it make it easier to get that kind of information? Are you, are you requiring it? Talk to me about what you're doing or it's, how you're handling it. It's pretty standard W9s fill them out. So I know how I'm supposed to, you know, tell the government where you're working, what you're doing. Um, NDAs, of course, and usually the NDA will come from my client to you. I sign NDAs on behalf of you, but you might get one in particular for a certain client. Sometimes they get really picky every, as they should, every contractor touching their event has NDAs that they have to sign. Um, we have service agreements that my client signs, and then I have contract agreements that you guys sign, the contractor sign, and um, some just good SOP documents, nothing out of the ordinary. So my suggestion is going to be then to just be licensed and get yes, please. Uh, get a business license, which is nothing, $40. You can get it from the city mm -hmm. that you live in. Of course, it varies based on your city fees, but it can't be that much to get a business license. Here in California, it's $40. And so, we're probably the most expensive. So probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then if you're really smart, you're setting up a business mm -hmm. account because then you are show, you're showing the government, you're showing the IRS that you're set up uh, different in a different account than you are personally. Funds aren't intermingled. And it's so smart. It's easier to prove that it's a business when it's when you've got a business account. Right. And I appreciate appreciate that when I hire businesses too. It's it's safer for me to hire a business than to hire an independent contractor truly. So, and because of our laws in California, so many people have now finally gotten their business license and become an LLC or an S corp, but it also protects you um, liability wise as well. And we just had on our Tempo think tank, our little industry think tank, a gentleman come and talk to us about our insurance policies and what we should all have as independent contractor, independent businesses, and what we should do to minimally cover ourselves for all the liability that's hanging that, over our heads, whether we're in our offices at home or we're, you know, on a stage with trust hanging over our head someday. Right. These are the things that you now need to prove that you're professional, that you're serious and mm -hmm. that, you know, you really want to have a job in this industry and whether we're virtual or not, 
uh, there's going to be a certain level of liability that you take on uh, in anything that you do in this profession. Uh, and it doesn't mean, as Nancy pointed out, standing under a trust to be liable for something. Nope. You know, it could be a technical mistake, could be a, a myriad of things. Errors and omissions. The insurance yeah. guy was amazing for our team, just talking us through what if, the what ifs. I would never want to sell insurance, by the way, because like just doomsday, like his head is always like, Nancy, but what if, what if, what if? I'm like, ah, <laughs> that's right, a lot right, of what ifs. Right, right, right. Dude, it's crazy. <laughs> well, his job is to get you to think like him. Yes. I know. <laughs> right, Alex? Yeah. Oh, my God. I know so, you don't want to, but. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I don't think our, you know, it's funny not to get off on a tangent, but I don't expect my liability insurance to go down at all. And what did I need it for last year? I mean, <laughs> you know, but it's still the same, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. So. Um, One of those necessary evils, right? Yes. You want to have evil. it, hope you never need it. Exactly. Need it and not have it. So how many projects has Tempo got going on right now? Right now? Oh, dear God. Compared to last week? <laughs> <laughs> Was last week busier? Oh my gosh. Yeah. We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. We had about 24. The last week of January was the week to host an event. And we had over 40 contractors out 20 some shows I'm looking at. So we calmed down this week. We have one, two, three, four. Okay. I'm happy with four right now. Yeah. It's good. It was fun right. though. It was a ride. It was a wild ride. Well, you know, I, I'm curious to know how long the ride lasts and how long this whole virtual thing lasts as well. Right. Uh, you know, there is a bit, and I think there's a little bit of an advantage in being ahead of your client in the knowledge department. Because what we suffer with mostly on our end is you, you do a really good job because you've got skill. Right. Uh, but a lot of people think they can do what we do. Right. Do not do you not come across that or do you? Uh, yes, both. Right. There's a, there's a lot of people that are figuring it out because no one knew. I mean, there was your live streaming companies. They knew that I'll give it. Those people knew what was going on. And when it hit the fan and we were all shut down and then these, you know, these online meetings start happening. I feel like the live streaming people, they had it going on. They knew what they were doing. The rest of us, we had to figure it out. And that's, mm -hmm. That's what has been a blessing with Tempo is that darn think tank I accidentally started because it's just a bunch of us industry people getting together talking about what equipment do we need in our home office to pull this off? What kind of devices do we need in terms of headsets and microphones and computers and monitors and apps? And um, yeah, we didn't know. I'm not going to lie. We, the, we, we're event producers and we're all on the stage and in ballrooms and now we're all stuck at home and we're figuring it out. But then I go back to those people. I'm meeting companies that train, have been doing trainings. Companies that have been doing online right. trainings, they got it in the bag. They totally get it. And one of my favorite stories was one of the first virtual events that I knew of for a software company. I had this woman speak to our group. She turned her meeting around from this live event that was in April when it got shut down in March. Within 90, 60 days, I think it was, she took it virtual and she used her online training company to pull it off because they've been doing all this online training anyway. And they pulled off a multi-thousand person event, more attendance than they had the year before when it was live. 
she did it virtually and she fell on the resource that she knew already knew they weren't inventing a platform they weren't building right. a studio in their warehouse which god bless them our av companies are doing that right and they're getting their people employed but these people had it already down they didn't have to reinvent the wheel they just right. had to you know maybe take some software changes for their website but right one of one of the few but where we are now is we're ahead of the knowledge curve we're ahead of our clients. Mm -hmm. We know we know the software a bit better. You've developed this think tank, which is really helping to standardize what what it is we do and need, uh, because nobody knew. Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. a very small group. And let me say that when you are producing a training, you're not producing a conference. You're not producing something mm -hmm. that is a high level of uh, need for entertainment for engagement you know you're basically you're saying to people you need this information and that's why you have to sit there and watch it so it can be look like anything i'm not degrading what it is they they're no. doing i'm simply that's saying that's when they needed the event producers to come in right and up there again they just had the technology that we didn't so she leaned on them she had the event production knowledge and we needed the technology and the, she just went to what she already knew which was right safe, right smart Right. So you are you're finding this to be a good time for business. And my my question to the universe is, how long does this last and how long mm -hmm. do we stay ahead of the curve before uh, people start thinking this is just every day? It will at some point be so ubiquitous that people just do it at home. But the but the production uh, and let's talk to this for a moment, Nancy, because I don't think people really grasp the difference what production does for an online event because here we can do what we're doing beautifully but going into a studio adds a level of professionality a professionalism and a level of detail and a, a larger scope of abilities that we can't really do here you know like decorating the background of this of the zoom template or branding it in some way or um, determining exactly where my head and your head and Alex's heads are gonna are gonna line up, like you know, in this picture, right? Excuse right. me. Right. No, all I immediately changed my camera when I saw Salon because I'm so second nature to make sure that we're all shaped the same. Right. Right. We talked about this last week. <laughs> the silhouette. Right. Yeah. That alone. But um, but but just uh, aside from what right. tempo does with the speakers to help the presenters get ready to prep because that's that's a, a whole nother level, right? right? Of doing that like we've never had to do before. Um, there is also, where, where was I going with this With now? event production and now that we're virtual. Oh, with the studio. Now you can, uh, what the studio enables you to do is to take more control, better control of what people see on the output. And uh, for example, in this Zoom thing, we have some limited control, but when I look at the screen, I could either see us all in gallery or I can see us in speaker. However, if this was studio produced, we could, uh, we could manipulate the screen in a variety of ways with layers from broadcast that can add lower thirds and, and little uh, Bs or buttons, branding buttons, you know, all right. of that stuff that you cannot do in this virtual setting that we're in now, you know, we're pretty limited right. still. 
I don't think that I talked to your group about, mm-hmm. But you'll have, no, I don't think I brought that up, mm-hmm. Which is a new, a new uh, uh, software that is now usable on Macs uh, with Zoom. And it's a, basically a Zoom uh, app, a Zoom, it connects with Zoom, an API for Zoom that um, allows you to do backgrounds and slideshows and change the imagery behind you. Uh, so these tools are going to come around eventually. Sure. You know, wow, well, that's cool. Isn't it? That's fascinating. It just keeps getting harder and harder. Like when I hire a producer for some of these virtual events and take it, the, the teams that I'm sending out are people that do it live. We've done it live our whole life. We've been in the ballrooms at convention centers or sports arenas or whatever. And, you know, when the producer get, takes on their first show, I remember my first one, it's the same thing. You're just figuring out how to take your client's message and get it out to the audience. That's our job as producers. It's the technology that's different. And that's where we rely on our tech team and our TDs and our studios and our platform experts that are building that side for us. And we, it's good to know it and it's great that we know it, but the stuff that I'm watching our producers do right now, it's you're still producing an event. You're taking content and turning it into something that is gonna go out to the audience the way the client wants the audience to see it. There's one major difference in my estimation and that is that with live, of course, at the end of the day, before the event starts, everyone is within your reach that you need as a yes. producer, right? Yes, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's a very good point. It's very hard when people are out of reach and you don't see them log on and you're waiting for them and, and you know they have to be there. And so you're relying on a cell connection uh, and one of the jobs that I did recently for you, one of our major presenters had a power outage and was having trouble getting online. We finally had to get him through via his iPhone. He had to leave his house. It was really kind of those as a producer. That's the worst part. There's so much not like we are already ranked. I was listening to one of your other podcasts. And I think it was, um, Mm -hmm. It was Nicole Matthews probably. And it's like, we're already ranked as one of the most stressful positions in, mm -hmm. in occupations because we can't control everything. There's so many things that are not our control. And the, it's just as an event producer, event planner, whatever. And now you add the layer of your internet connection and your Wi-Fi and your cellular and your power. Like, what? Right. There's only so many backups we can do. And that's something we talk about on Think Tank a lot. Like, how many backups can we have? There's only so much. And then when the whole East Coast... They lost the internet on the whole, that was your show, right? The East Coast. Yes. This whole, the whole internet went down. Like, what? It, I, but wow. interestingly enough, if that wasn't mine, one guy in Manhattan Beach also lost his power. Because of the winds. Thing happened there. Yeah, probably because of the winds. We had the winds that day. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. That you can't control. And the cost to backup power generators mm -hmm. in a studio alone for a number of days is quite expensive. And then even then, you only have control of that. You have no control of anybody, where they are, what their power is doing. And it's really not, not reasonable to ask people to you know, make sure their power is not going to go out because anything can happen. have a generator. Happen. Right. Yeah. When yes. I do sports I, did, I you know I came from sports and I did sports for so long and then I started doing corporate events I was like wow 
God's no longer the gaffer and it's not snowing on me and it's not raining on me and I'm not mm -hmm. sweating to death in Orlando. This indoor stuff's amazing. And there's all this backup. <laughs> like I've been in hurricanes, I've been in snowstorms and now I'm in these corporate, oh, it's amazing. And, and now it's back to, I can't control so much of what's happening in my events anymore because right. of being virtual. Crazy. Well, uh, Sam, to my thinking, you really never as a producer can control anybody that's on stage. Very few listen no. and do what you ask them to do. And many of them think they know more than you and, oh, yeah. you know, about everything, you know, and uh, it's very hard. And then they get on stage and now they're in this virtual setting and you're counting on them to be succinct and know what it is they have to say. And they don't. That's so, you know what, you know what else we, I've realized and I'm backstage now in these shows when I'm green room managing is if I have two people there, they're going to do their own little fireside chat or what have you. When I'm physically backstage and I need to get a hold of someone, you creep closer and you get my contact and they feel you and they know they need to wrap it up. And it's, it's a gentle conversation. And then they wrap up and you're like, okay, you know, Mr. Pilata, I'd like you to know that we've got five minutes. I want to show you whatever. And now when we're online and they're in the middle of a conversation I don't know how to interrupt it's I know how but it's not easy like that body language and to be able to read them and then read you that that is missing and that's huge to me too this virtual stuff so there's yeah. only so much you can that's do that's a to, very good point that's yeah true. backstage and you know when they run to the loo you can see him like you have all eyes on him where's Joe and you know where he is like and now they they mute their mic they shut off their camera and you can't get a hold of them on their phone anymore yeah crazy weird Yes, it's, it's all very interesting. It makes life a lot of fun. Totally fun. You know, and, and, you know, for the most part, look, at you got to run a tight ship and you have to expect people as a producer to stay on time because that really is part of the game. But uh, allowing a little leeway is not a bad idea when, when they come ready to present and they understand that presenting is not sitting at a dining room table with somebody you're just talking to you know there's a certain uh succinctness that's needed and directness and uh that for me is is the is the hard part in yes. you know getting them to to see the big picture sometimes beyond you know themselves right and to train them that this isn't just a zoom i've done zoom 100 times i got this i've done zoom 100 times right we talked about that the other day like no, it's not your average Zoom. It's really awkward. I, I I don't mind being on the stage and talking to a bunch of people, but when I've had to present to people in front of a camera, it's it's a lot more awkward mm -hmm. and it's not anything that you're used to. And when you don't tech with me and give me some time before you even rehearse with me a few days earlier, that's that's my time to make you look and sound good as a presenter. What's your background look like? What's your lighting look like? Because now I'm a lighting designer and I'm an audio engineer and I'm staging. Like there's so many things now producers are doing that usually when they show up to a ballroom, the light is already and the audio is ready and the stage is ready. And now that has to happen in 20 minutes, hopefully three days before, a week before, if you're really lucky, before they actually come on to present. And here's and here's the deal. Again, you have no control when you're in the ballroom and you have control of the lighting and the staging and the sound, then you do what you need to do. But now you're putting it in their hands, uh, not only to maybe provide something that will work, but then also to set it up. And we had this conversation last week in the think tank. Uh, I have a really, you know, I'm very, very grateful for this client, but they're very difficult 
they don't follow direction. And these are the top names in business and in, in entertainment. And they don't listen. They all, they all think they know better. And I mean, I would love 30 minutes. We actually had a schedule with people. We, you know, for this one job and there were 200, over 200 speakers over four days that we had to contact. And very last minute, oh, yeah, they're going to replace them and other, you know, a lot, you know how that happens when there's so many moving parts. We couldn't get half of them to rehearse with us. And then when we did, getting anybody to add a light or do anything different. So some people did not look great. And at some point, you have to throw up your hands and say, you know, we tried our best to get these people to follow direction, and they won't. So sometimes they have to see what it looks like. Right. Right. We had, we actually had that with a very big name music producer who had to, their production people had to fall on their face for them to finally acquiesce and let us handle it in the studio the way we needed to do it. Right. But it took them falling on their face and in front of all of us. I mean, we all of us in the studio waiting for Ouch. this to happen. I was embarrassed for the gent, That's but awkward. his people thought they had it covered. They thought they knew what they were doing. They didn't listen because they were remote in a different city, you know, so I right. control. I wasn't there. Uh, they didn't listen. We sent them what's called a live view unit. I think you might know what that is. Mm-hmm. They didn't even try to set it up. It I up. was, I, I mean, how much more can you do? Right. I mean, right. How, how much more can you do to try to get people to follow direction? And it's our job to make you look and sound your best. I always tell them that whether we're live on show site or now when the first things I say, if, if, and when I get to do a tech check with these people, like my job is to make you look and sound your best this isn't your everyday zoom. Like we're going to, it's broadcast quality and I'm going to fix your lighting. I'm going to ask some things. And we've sent you, we send kits out all the time. We send ethernet cables, we send lights, we send cameras. Yes. I had a woman, she was rehearsing with me the night before she was on tomorrow. Her camera was from 1990, I think. So we, when I was rehearsing with her, my TD was online at Best Buy in her hometown, ordered the camera and said, it's ready for you at Best Buy right now. Why don't you run over to Best Buy? We'll see you in the morning, show up 45 minutes early. To your call and wow. she looked amazing but like give and but that was last minute like best buy was still open <laughs> right know, just, that's all right luck she was so thankful and what's a hundred buck camera doing like you know it didn't hurt us at all and she looks and looked so much better she was such much more confident and the show looked better it was great i think we have somebody waiting with us to talk about uh super bowl we've been wanting to talk about it with you because one thing that we didn't really talk about so much with you yet is all the sporting events that you've done and where you've done them it's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you here but now that we have miss amy joining us give her a little hello and then she'll join us we'll talk about uh we'll talk about them hello Hello. Hi there. How are you? Oh. How are you? Nice to see you. You as well. You guys look as cold as it is here in Minnesota. <laughs> oh no, it's not. <laughs> Three San Diegans. Sorry. Thin skinned. <laughs> All good. Thin skinned. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah. I hear you wanted to be a singer. 
Oh yeah. I, well, I still sing. I am a singer. I just don't get paid for it. So All would you time. like, you don't have to be paid to be a singer. That's right. This is true. It was interesting because I, I almost called you Anne-Marie like 50 times because <laughs> very close. Right. Would you... Snowbird, is that one of her songs? Oh, uh, goodness. No, I was Snowbird a song of hers? Something about um, a bird. I'll have to think of the song. Uh, you Needed Me? Oh, I think that is an Anne-Marie song. You needed me. You needed me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My dad and my sister danced to oh. Anne-Marie's song at um, my sister Debbie Tom Ball. Yeah, Snowbird. Look at that. Anne-Marie, Snowbird. Oh, so you can give me a few See? bars. Come on, Amy. I don't actually know the song. I just no. know the title. Damn it. I know there's a bird somewhere in there. That's all. There's a bird. What's the melody of that song? Oh. I should I should have been more prepared. I'm thinking I'm to thinking talk about Anne Murray. Right, right. Really? You should have been, did you know? Well, you know we have you on because we expect you to do um an Anne Murray tribute right now, right? You're ready with all the music to go. I am in my heart, I'm ready. <laughs> Those stupid wranglers. Yeah. So what did so so Amy has had experience working the Super Bowl, yes, specifically. So uh thank you for joining us because uh we just we're talking about the Super Bowl. We of course all watch. It's a huge spectacle here in the United States and abroad, I'm sure. Uh, it's not just a game anymore. It's it's if you're at the Super Bowl, it's days, right? But for most of us, it's at least a day of events. So, um, and tell us what capacity you worked in a sure. Super Bowl. Just talk sure. to us about that experience and what you've done. I've I've had the good fortune of working on four different Super Bowls. The first time I had an interaction with the Super Bowl, I had reached out to a friend who worked for Disney and said, I'll do anything to work on the halftime show with your team. What do I need to do? And he said, well, if you can get yourself there, I'll put you to work. So I made my way to Atlanta and I became a glorified volunteer captain, which really meant um, there was a team of us, about 30 people. And when you do large stadium events, not always, but oftentimes you lay down a, what is sort of like a mat or a carpet and it has marks on it so that people know where to put equipment or more importantly, where the choreography, where people need to hit their marks. So our job was to get that put out there in a very short amount of time in the right spot so the rest of the equipment could come in. So, you know, as, as you might imagine, you don't get a whole lot of time practicing on the field. So you do things like find a large parking lot that has that, the closest amount of space as to what you'll have when you're on the field and you pretend like you're doing it in real time and you just practice and practice that one move of running that mat out to your mark rolling it out and getting the heck off the field getting out of the way so we did that i'm not kidding we did that probably for three days for several hours at a time and again everyone was a volunteer so it was uh it was an undertaking just for that one tiny move. Did everybody show up for those <laughs> rehearsals? Or was it a question of, oh, they're not here now? Or did that complicate it? 
Not really. Most people were committed and showed up. Great. And did their part. Great. So there are a lot of cogs in that wheel. A lot of cogs and everybody's rehearsed. Well rehearsed. I feel like when you treat your volunteers really well, like they do at the Super Bowl and they do at the Olympics, they show up. It's amazing. I was so impressed at the Olympics, how many volunteers show up every single day. It's because they are treated well. And I'm assuming it's mm. the same Super Bowl wise. I would agree with you, Nancy. So that was your first job, your first Super Bowl job. And you rehearsed for several days, hours on end to pull a mat onto <laughs> center field. Exactly. For the halftime show. For the halftime show. Okay. So let's just for a second put that into perspective. <laughs> because, <laughs> wow. Right. Of right. all of the things that go on, Amy Murray volunteered <laughs> and did one job. Mm-hmm. One job. Okay. So go on now. That's very intriguing, right? Very right. intriguing. Wow. I think, I think the second time I was involved in in a Super Bowl, again, one job, and this doesn't seem like a big deal until you get it wrong. Um, I was asked to be on the field in one spot for the entire the entire game. And I stood next to a confetti cannon. And at the end of the game, on my cue, on the cue in my ear, I had to hit the right button, make sure it was the right colors. So out of luck, I actually sat and watched the entire football game on the 30-yard line. That's cool. I know. Who am I? Who am I? Like, how did that happen? I love it. I never knew that, Amy. That's a great story. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And how many of there were you? There wasn't just one confetti cannon on that field. There wasn't. I believe we had six confetti cannons on each side of the field. So 12 people whose sole job it was to stand at that mark. And I know the one guy that calls that cue. Our show caller from US Open, who's now with the Cardinals, he, that's his gig. He calls the confetti cannon at the Super Bowl. That's it? That one cue? Pretty much. Yep. Doesn't call the whole show. He's like, Nancy, I'm like, what's your role, Tim? What's your role been at the Super Bowl? He's like, confetti canning cue. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Well, they're, they're the scope of people behind the scenes is tremendous that we don't ever, ever see, right? We right. only see what's in front of the camera. Um, so number three. Uh, Super Bowl 50 in San Francisco, I actually was working for a company where we had seven events going on around the city Mm -hmm. and halftime was not one of them. So a lot of other things. Corporate uh, parties, corporate events, sponsorship events, um, high end VIP, very high end. These people are wined and dined, adored, gift bag, swag, the whole, the whole whole 10, yeah, the whole nine yards. Uh, I've had a couple of those experiences myself working around, around it. That's where all the glitz and glamour really is. Right. It's true. It is true. It's amazing. It's amazing. My one Super Bowl experience was outside with direct TV doing a celebrity beach volleyball tournament, but I was at the Super Bowl. (laughs) Just one other event happening at the Super Bowl. And where was this? Miami. And of course, that's where they would do volleyball. Was it on the beach? Yes. The beach. Interesting. And you were the core, you did the, the feed. Um, what did I do? I think I was maybe calling the show. I don't even remember what I did to be honest with you. It's all but a blur. It was very cold. It was like 45 degrees in Miami that year. 
was freezing. <laughs> That's funny. That, I don't that remember what I did. I just remember I was with DirecTV and I was on the beach. I think I did celebrity interviews, like a, a field producer. That's probably what I did. Interesting. But you were, you were on the beach. You were not at the stadium. Nope, not that would the have stadium. been Joe Robbie Stadium at the time, I think. So have you been on the field again since that second time? Anyone? Uh, not, not on the field, but my final and most recent was here in Minneapolis for um, when Minneapolis hosted Super Bowl 52. I was the producer of the zip line, which most people would think exactly. Most people would think who would want to zip across the Mississippi River in Minneapolis when you have no idea if it's going to be 42 degrees, which it was on media day, or negative something, which it was on multiple days. But uh, the tickets sold out within about 10 minutes. Wow. And they second round of tickets and those sold out too. So that was a blast because Everybody wanted to do it, including Roger Goodell. So oh, it was interesting. So was it was was it part of the stadium experience? So the interesting thing, and you kind of tapped on it earlier, um, Super Bowl isn't one day anymore. It it runs about ten days. So it's wow. it really it's grown up to become quite a a monster, if you will, or a really amazing two weeks of activities. And um, the host city does a lot of different stuff. So Tampa, Tampa actually had some things because they're such a big boating community. They had a lot along the water and some of the boats were um, high end VIP experiences. Sure. That makes sense. Right. You just embrace what your culture is and you try to really um, highlight some things because like you said earlier, you have media from all over the world who are knocking on your city's door. So you really want to put that spotlight on your best and brightest. So you put a zip line across Mississippi. Why not? Right. Well, the bidding process too, for the Super Bowl and the politics in getting the NFL and the amount of money that you pay to have the NFL host in your city, because they see the value in having all of that media exposure. And if you're smart, if you're a smart city, you will take advantage of it, right? And you show your best parts and you give a good party because that's, you know, a safe, you know, happy party, uh, which amazing is amazing. They did it this year. It was all very safe. Uh, did you know, what did you notice that was different about this? Did you watch yesterday? Yes. So from your perspectives, did you notice anything that felt different about it. Would you would you share? Go go for it, Amy. Oh, uh, do you have something, Nancy? Oh, yeah, Amy and I talked about it today a little bit. Oh, go for it, please. Start start the combo. Oh gosh, where do you start? I think you know COVID made it such a different experience for the attendees. I mean, the, the stadium not half full, mm-hmm. but looking full because of the cardboard cutouts, which was a hundred dollars nice. each. Right, I love that. That was fantastic. Killed me. Right. And then if you know Tampa Stadium, evidently there's this huge pirate ship that takes up part of the stadium. But because they're on the Super Bowl's neutral, they had to hide the pirate ship because you have to be neutral for the Super Bowl. It's so amazing that this is the first time ever they've had a Super Bowl with mm-hmm. the home team in their home. Like, how cool was that? But they right. had to hide the pirate ship. So that's where we believe the halftime show took place, that whole All stage. Right hide the pirate ship which was that was kind of fun to experience and put two and two together as I watched the show unfold and 
my husband's talking about the pirate ship that's not there right now. And then I was like, there's the pirate ship. It's behind the stage. That's yeah, a good, that's, that's a good call out. Yeah. That's a good yeah. call out. Um, what did you think of it being staged there? Because it normally, I mean, they've used different areas, but normally it's a field show. They right? make a lot more money when there's people in the seats, right? Right. So they don't usually throw it in the seats. So um, my thought, I was talking to Michael Fuhrer, or listening to Michael Fuhrer on a podcast. He, Amy and I work for Michael Fuhrer at the US Open. He's a uh, producer for now the trophy hoist at the Super Bowl, but he did Super Bowls for years. He did the halftime show. And I was listening to a podcast that he was on the other day. And it's so much about finding the balance of creating a fan experience as well as the TV online experience. And that's what we, as in sport event producers, we struggle with all the time. When we were at X Games for all those years, it was like the, the broadcast is saying, turn down your music, turn down your mics. But then they want our fans to be excited and happy and get the energy from our fans on TV. But you're making me turn down the music and turn down my announcer's mic, who's the one that's getting them riled up. So it's finding that balance. And when I watched that show, show yesterday, and when he went to the Hall of Mirrors and stuff, I thought this is actually not playing to the fans, really. This is a music video. Mm -hmm. It was a it was for TV, really, really for TV. I didn't, because right. they couldn't really engage the fans because usually the fans are down on the ground and surrounding and, but because yeah. of COVID. And that's the first thing I thought was like, this is not about the fans today, which that, I, I understand why. TV audience. It was TV, yeah. yeah. Which, you know, that's where the money is too, really. Right. Made right. it easy for them, actually, didn't it, it did. in a sense? Amy, what did you think? I thought it was really interesting all the way around and from a from a producer's point of view and and in another life I've done large stadium shows so one of the things I thought of right away was when you rehearse people and you have to choreograph people and get them in synchronization and not be close to one another that's really a hard thing to do as the choreo team to watch and make sure that's happening but I, I was fascinated in the beginning in act one when you saw the big stage reveal and you saw the choir. And in some ways you couldn't really tell if they were robotic. I couldn't. Right? I couldn't either. Yeah. yeah. We were... Right. There was something odd and compelling about that that I really liked. But I also thought, wow, if I was a choreographer, I could have done kind of a TikTok, created my dance, handed it over. On, on a video, on a YouTube link, a private YouTube link, so people could rehearse at home and not have to really spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time correcting people, because you can't go and move them. And one of the advantages of that stage and that setup, I think there were six rows, they were all obviously more six, than- At least, right. Right, doing their own choreography, but if it was not precise, it didn't really matter. And- Great point. Right. It, it, but it still looked great. It still right. had a lot of energy. And and it was more than the camera could actually fill most of the time. It was so big for the camera, you know. Uh, and we were talking about how um, it felt big for the performer as well, you know, a bit too much. So I'm convinced that the first opening moments when he gets out of the car was all done on video in a box. It was not done live. And what's interesting is that they touted this as the first ever live performance in a Super Bowl. And so we were talking about that earlier, too. What did that mean exactly? He did sound like he was singing live one song, the first song. First song. But then the rest of it was. 
it's it's a very tricky it's very tricky when you do a show like that because you do rehearse it and you do put the show in the can just in case something goes sideways you've you've got to deliver it and you you have a finite amount of time you can't run late because you actually have to get back to the field of play because the game is on the clock mm -hmm. so it's a very um interesting challenge to have i don't doubt that he was singing live i mean he he's a great singer he's a great performer so i i i don't know i'd be curious to have the facts it was curious from uh so Alex and I are both singers, so you are too. I was curious because the first song, it was obvious to me that he was singing. And then it was very obvious from a sound point of view that sound was just completely different for the other songs, right? But to say that nobody's ever sung live before, that was a bit, well, the, the, the insinuation was that it was the first live performance. So it left us wondering, does that mean that there are no video parts of this that it's completely live and i guess in a sense it could be right if it's up where the pirate ship is that at least that part right there's no reason why that can't be rehearsed and ready to go on because it's not moving right right so maybe maybe that's what they were alluding to but it, it certainly wasn't completely live so i'm just baffled i wondered if you had any you know sense of what the hell they're trying to do to us here we're just trying to figure things out i don't know with a lot of the executive producers i've worked with in the past i can't imagine that they would uh, uh sign off on anything not going right and but but i would be i'm excited to be proven wrong that it is they let, they let it go live right right but to your point uh that doesn't mean having an ace in the hole with a, a cut tape that's already in the can if you will, uh, ready to go on. And there is a delay now, right? So I guess the, the producer can always say, at eh, tape, go, right? Uh, Remind me of the Olympic rings when they lit them and the one didn't light. Was it, where were we? Russia? Sochi, yeah. Sochi, yeah. And then had they had that in the can, I mean, they made it in the can later because the audience that saw it never saw that that ring didn't light in the opening ceremonies. It didn't know. Oh, oh, really? Something, something. It didn't articulate open. That's right. But it did in post-production. And the TV viewer saw it open. See, see how smart we are. See how many tushies we save <laughs> in that world. Nobody knows. The unsung heroes. Right. That's right. Right. <laughs> so what is what what else did you think about the Super Bowl in terms of uh the entertainment and uh the platform? We, we had some discussions. I'm curious as to what you all thought. I liked that. Um, I liked that it was an entertainer that I didn't expect it to be. Um, I know that there's a new production company. So every few years, the, the production team cycles and it's a new group. And this year it's Rock Nation. So there's challenges alone in it being a brand new um, production company. But one of the things that Rock Nation is doing and they're partnering with the NFL is they're they're trying to give them access to entertainment that they might not be normally looking at. And I think The weekend was a really good choice. I mean, this guy is 30 years old. He's been out doing music since 2010, I think, but really kind of getting hot around 2012 and 2015 was I can't feel my face. So this guy has got 
a younger generation following him. And I think that's really important for the NFL and that type of entertainment to really be getting some younger people back in. Yeah, there was definitely a push for a younger audience in this broadcast, right? So that was part of it with the Nickelodeon partnership, right. TikTok was there, uh, Snapchat everywhere. Uh, interesting. Do you know that he is scheduled to go on tour in 2022 and that he invested $7 million in this production of his own money, which has to lead one to believe that there's a lot invested in the tour and this is all just gearing up for that. Good for him. Well, that's something that I think people don't necessarily realize about halftime. Like a few years ago, they switched it to be more of a pay to play. So artists, ah. right? oh. and that gives artists a little bit more um, control. I mean, they right. everything has to be approved, but if you're going on a brand new tour, you and right. you just released a new album, you just dropped a new album, right? You're gonna do new music. When Beyonce came out in Super Bowl Fifty in X formation, like if you didn't gasp at that visual, right? That was stunning. Mm-hmm. It was on brand for her like it was so so smart and listening to michael fewer talk about past super bowls it was artists want to do their he talks about it's like artists want to do their new work but no we actually want the artists to play what we know so the audience knows what they're playing and now that the roles have changed and it's pay to play interesting you would get the opportunity to do your new work and it does make sense from an artist's point of view they're all about their brand they're all about about the messaging that they deliver on. And this does give them more control, doesn't it? But that's a that's also a very tight rope sometimes, right? Depending on the artist. Yeah. <laughs> very difficult. It just it's it just adds another layer for those of us who are in production to deal with another set of needs and wants mm-hmm. and desires, right? He goes. He goes, he goes. exactly. Yeah. I would say if you haven't seen there's a documentary on the halftime show in Miami when it was Prince. Mm. And it's a really interesting documentary about that show. And um, right. How, I mean, if you, if you recall that show in Miami on unusually the skies opened up and poured down rain, like it was pouring rain and Prince still danced in, I don't know, six inch heels. He still plugged that guitar in. And he, I think he ch- threw a challenge out to the universe, like that's all the rain you got. Wow. So, and those are the kind of moments and things as a producer, you, they're not scripted, mm-hmm. they happen and it happens because there's a magic from the entertainer. And that's when the entertainer, you let them, you've created everything possible so they don't have to worry about it and they can go out and shine. And those are when the magic moments happen. And- yes, because they're they're comfortable, right? They're in their own skin. They're doing what they yeah. know best. Mm-hmm. They're not being forced into some choreography or some music or some staging or. Right. It's a good and point. Like with, with the weekend, you know, there was some really interesting creative choices that I think were really driven by him, or at least they yeah. seem to be. He's a he's a really smart entertainer. I. I think I think we're going to see some fun stuff from that guy. It's interesting that because he sometimes wears prosthetics on his face, or he's you have he'll have makeup to make it look like he's been, you know, beaten. So he he did he wore none of it, but it was interesting that his dancers were 
they're bandaged basically, which very interesting way to play on the mask situation and keep everyone safe. Um, he did eventually use the field at the end, which I thought was extremely gorgeous. Uh, the the camera sh the camera work is exquisite, right? And uh, the way that the cameras were hitting the lights and we were seeing the glare of the light. And then the fact that there wasn't a stage in the middle. So you could see the broad expanse of that field with all of those dancers, something we've never seen. Right. Yeah. Usually it's in the middle and all the fans are on the field with them. And yeah, it was cool. And the choices that they made in their costumes, their, you know, hands had lights on them. They just, they, they made some really great artistic choices. And I, a lot of people, you know, uh, say not very complimentary things about halftime shows, but I guarantee they've never sat in a room and tried to create a stadium show. I'm sure of it. There, this is not an easy feat. It takes at least a year to do this. I'm sure with all the negotiating you have to do and the, you have to build the set, you have to figure out what it's going to be. And then you have to, you have to at some point weigh into what's happening in the world. Right? right, because you can't do something that's completely, uh, you know, on the Tone other death. side of the spectrum. To exactly, good, good phrase. Actually, I have a question about that. How uh, far in advance do they choose, or is is the uh, the halftime entertainment put together? When when is that dis those decisions made? Well, I've never sat in that room, but the experience that I've had when I've been in the inner circles of event planning with NFL, you know, that's like July. They, they know a good, they're, they're working on it at that time of year and things are in the process of being inked and contracted well in advance. I think the challenge that they've had this year was not knowing exactly what they could and could mm -hmm. not do. Right. They, they had a call for um, cast like January. Oh, yeah. So in Orlando, Nancy, I actually just sent you a text while we were waiting to get on the call tonight. They, um, it, I think it showed something like you must be committed to this, these six days of rehearsals. The cast was all men, which I, it was all men. Mm -hmm. So just like they made some really interesting choices. And I think part of the reason was they, they couldn't commit to certain things. That, that cast on the field was only about 200 people and they made it look like much more than 200 people. Yes, they did. And they did they a sure good did. job of repurposing their cast. You know, the, the people that were in the hall of mirrors were the people on the ground. They were really smart about every move that they made did on you, that field. Did you see the camera crew? Totally dressed up too, had the red blazers on. Yes, I love yes. that stuff. That's that's kind of normal though in uh, stadium entertainment. Yeah, I've, blazers, I've awesome. just the red blazers really caught me. I was like, okay, that looks awesome. They fit yeah. right in. They blended. Yeah. Is that a visibility? Uh, yeah. 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 So instead of a guy in black running around with the camera, you got a guy in his costume running around with the costume dance. Yes, dancing oh. with him almost. Yeah. You yeah. know that that camera work was interesting, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. All day. One of my depth of field steady cam dude. One of my balladophiles didn't particularly care for it. He said he felt dizzy in there, oh. but it's it's an awful lot of uh, choreography to make that work. You know that yeah. didn't just happen. 
Hello. You know, uh, Amy brought up something really interesting. We talked about it today before the call about, uh, was it Minnesota? You were in the stadium and you knew your friend was part of the halftime show production team. And Amy was in one of the bombs and it was the biggest bomb. The bomb is where they come out onto the field. And it was the biggest one that they had built in Minneapolis. And it wasn't that big. If you had huge set pieces that had to come out. Yeah. My gosh, I love people that have to think about logistics like that. Like she told her friend in advance, by the way, we need to measure this for you because if you have any big set pieces for halftime show, it's not getting through. It's not getting on the field. Yeah. Fun little fast fact from Amy Murray. Well, I think when you do what we do, mm -hmm. we don't look at the world the same way. You know, we go to the airport and we see the lines not moving and it's my knee-jerk reaction to redo the queue. I'm like, oh, we could just, and I think that's how we look at the world. Like how many lights do you think it took to light that stage? Or wow, they only have this many microphones up there. So, you know, we, we live in the time and world and space of making magic or making people believe in the magic and there's a price we pay for that too mm -hmm. we don't we don't get to have many of those magic moments so i i do like it when we see things that are different and we're challenged like this this halftime show was so different for us and that's challenging mm -hmm. and if people just lean into that and enjoy it, like, come on, it's just a show. It's just entertainment. Let's enjoy it. Well, if people could lean into life that way. <laughs> right? There she is. There she is. <laughs> Leaning in totally. Exactly. exactly. Right? Uh, you have to be ready for the changes and you have to be ready to pivot. Yes. Saying that. We right. love that word. We do not think that's a bad word at all because it, nope. you know, it has to happen sometimes. Um, what about other favorite, favorite moments from last night, anything from yesterday or from past Super Bowls? Actually, you mentioned some really interesting imagery with Beyonce. Are there any other images that, that you come to mind that you remember? Yes. I, I kind of went down a rabbit hole and one of the things I forgot about, and, and I'm sure, I don't know why I forgot about it, but a lot of things in my head, Madonna coming out to the field and she's being pulled by it looked like a bunch of spartans or warriors and she's on this big i don't even know what you call it and she's dressed up like a goddess right vogue and they're all moving very slowly out like in yeah, in time and i kept thinking oh my god that would have made me crazy as the as the producer like how slow like excuse me get there get there, get there. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Post. Right. Yeah. But but the visual of it and how big it was, and again, that kind of went to what Nancy and I were talking about with space you have to work mm -hmm. with. Every stadium is different. And that one just happened to have enough room that you could bring such a huge set piece in. Uh, remarkable. I thought it was I, I forgot about that. Somebody didn't Katy Perry come in on an elephant? Yeah, a lion, tiger, 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 a tiger, a tiger, of course. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Then there was these sharks, and oh wait, yeah, that was easy. <laughs> they also use lighting really magnificently at the Super Bowl. I don't, you know, pyro lighting uh, with Lady Gaga. They had drones, mm -hmm. uh, so the technology, the um, mirroring of of LED screens, you know, that whole. LED in itself, you know, all of that, they're, they're really always on 
the very forefront, right, of technology and what's out there and what we can do. We've come a long way since Up With People was pulling strands of fabric down the aisles onto the field. <laughs> we should watch some of those old Super Bowl halftime shows. I'm sure they're around on video. Oh, my gosh. Right? Yeah. Oh we have come a long way. I want to kind of get on and now start Googling and watching. One of the first ones ever was Diana Ross when it went from marching bands to celebrities. Um, from what I just listened to, it was Diana Ross and she came in on a helicopter and she left on a helicopter. Oh. And whoop, that's one way to get them in. And uh, before they let it, to, in order for it to be approved, Michael Fuhrer had to put a Dixie cup or plastic cup on the front row, like spectator seat. And as the helicopter came and went, if that cup blew over because it was too much wind, no more helicopter couldn't, couldn't go on with that idea. And the cup never blew over. And he was saying people accused him of super going that cup, but he said he didn't. <laughs> but so I want to go, and they had links for that. I'm going to go find that too. Like Diana Ross on helicopter coming into the Super Bowl. All course, right. Because her green room isn't going to be in that stadium. There's no way. <laughs> That's funny. So you have something in common with her now, Anthony. You've, you've flown in on a helicopter to do a performance. Oh, yeah. See, so you learn True a lot story? of things on this show. True story. Yes. True story. Yep. I was, I was flown in. It was no Super Bowl, but it was an 80th birthday party on the USS Midway. And I was flown in via helicopter. I landed on the flight deck and I was dressed head to toe as Uncle Sam. In how high platform shoes? Uh, six or seven inch platform yeah. shoes. And I, I did a rendition of Yankee Doodle Dandy for the, my friend, Ron Brady, Brady, the 80 year old birthday boy. And, and yeah, they flew me in. It was fantastic. It was incredible. That was my next Google right there. Head to toe. That needs to be in the show notes. Yeah. That is great. That's was fantastic. Fun. I still have a picture. They, they sent me a picture that's in my office of me as Uncle Sam. It was just one of those moments. It was just, On my 80th birthday? Right. I wanted to. Right. Such great people, too. It was fun. It was it was an absolute joy to work. I mean, all events are, but that was a, a joy, joy, joy to work on that event and watch him do that. But say, let me just say that I had to drive my own car in my Uncle Sam suit with the big hat and the platform shoes to the helicopter. I am no... Diana Ross. I was going to say, no one came and, and got you in a black Later, sedan. I had to go back and get my car. It was like, this is how the Paul folk get get <laughs> lifted up by, you know, brought down by a helicopter. <laughs> oh, fantastic. All the glamour, all the glamour. So, what are your next? Day. Just a normal day. Oh, you're going to be working on the World Expo. Yes. Is that in Dubai in, in October? Are we still on with that, Amy? What um, do you think? I am not going to work on that because of COVID. So I was oh. living in Dubai and working on that project, which I have to say, I'm very sad not to be working on it because it, it's going to be visually stunning. And anybody that's thinking, oh, maybe I'll go to Dubai. Yeah, you should go to Dubai and you should check out the expo because there's oh. going to be some really cool stuff that's happening there. So I'm, I'm sad that I won't be there, but I'm really excited for the creative team and the people that are bringing that to life. It's changed. I mean, the, you know, back to the whole stadium thing, when you sit down in the room with your creative team and you build something, 
you're, you're working a year out, sometimes two years out. Well, when the great global pause of 2020 happened and everything pivoted, like you were saying, our team actually created three new creative scenarios based on, because we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know if we were going to come back online in May, in August. And, and our show was October of 2020, or yeah, of 2020. So we just didn't, we just didn't know. And we had to play the scenario of, do we have a mass cast or not? If we do have a mass cast, what does it look like with COVID? So in, in a matter of 10 days, we created three new uh, creative stories, three new budgets, and three new casting scenarios. Oh so, so the team that's still on the ground and working, they, they've had a really hard road to climb. Yeah. So when they, when we get back up and when they do the show, which is coming up this October, 2021, it's going to be spectacular. And I can only imagine they're going to also be dealing with sluggish sales, at least moving into October. I mean, this is a world expo. They're counting on the world traveling to Dubai. And I can only imagine how they must be feeling. It cannot be easy. And, and they're still, they're, they're pinpointing October, but we seem to be going in the right direction, right? Hopefully it does happen. Will you go and see it if you can? If I can, I'll go and see it for sure. Yes. I think it, it's going to be unbelievable. It looks bigger than life in whatever uh, photographs, renders that I can see of what's being built. And it's over many, many, many acres. This is not a football field. No. Much larger than that. Well, <laughs> well, I hope you get to go, Amy. I do too. It looks so gorgeous. The interesting thing about it is uh, the first of all, the people, the Emiratis, talk about the most gracious, kind, incredibly creative people. So I, I wish them immense success. But there are pe literally people from all walks of the earth working on this project, building their pavilions. And I, I didn't get line of sight into all the pavilions, but the company I was working for was working on a few of them. And it's just, it's just remarkable. So th I think it will be, sorry. No, no, please continue. You did not. I think it will be really interesting to see what um, comes online, what we will have access to virtually because of the last year and what we've experienced in our pivot, how are they going to um, incorporate that into their pavilions? It will be interesting. I would love to go. And I, I think that, uh, you know, I'll put it on a bucket list for now and see how the world turns, but sure would be nice. Uh, yeah. And and I, I'm sorry you're not working on it as well. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's a bit of a disappointment, right? Uh, that's but, a heartbreak. Yeah. Well, the team was dream team so the good news is there's also six months in between opening and closing so if october isn't a good time for people to go maybe january will be right all the way through march 31st 2022 as i recall 
Uh, it's definitely one of those once in a lifetime experiences, right? For sure. So I am going to thank you, Amy Murray. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us some insight. Who knew they had to pay to play for one? I'm just balled over. I had no idea. And Nancy Spooner, thanks for sharing and talking about tempo and being with us and giving us some inside scoop as well. Maybe you'll come back at some point and we'll do it again. Of course. Thanks, Amy. There's some things I didn't get to do that we didn't talk about. Um, Some very interesting things these ladies have done and all their work together and books that were written and uh, possible Mm, shows that were shared with Nancy and I that who knows, we might have been on set at the same time. That's right. That's right. Stu Siegel Productions. I heard all about it. Stu you, we call it. Do you? <laughs> yep, do you. you. That's right on. Man, if you graduate from do you, you are hired in my books. If you could, if you made it through Silk Stockings, Renegade, Pensacola, yep. you know how to work hard, and I hire you. Do you? Days. I yes, remember always. those shows. We'll have to. We'll have to talk about those. So I cut my teeth, man. Right wow. out of college. Wow. Do you? That's what the degree really mattered. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Amy, good luck in in Minneapolis. Uh, Stay warm and be happy and come back. And we'll talk about fishing too. Oh, I can't wait. Deal. Thanks so much. Thanks Thanks for having us, Thanks for joining us. Well, that was great. Thank you again to Amy Murray and to Nancy Bashara. We'll just call her Nancy Spooner Bashara. Good friends of ours for joining us today. Alex, that was... It was I learned a lot today. Yes, I did too. Very interesting. And we'll have to have them back. Thank you for tuning in to all of you for tuning in. Make sure that if you like us, subscribe and review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on and give us those five stars if you don't mind. Uh, you can email us questions or thoughts at info at bolotta.com or you can find us at the Bolotify tab at bolotta.com pick your poison and uh, we'll see you next time or at least you'll hear us next time take care bye bye bye